0: Welcome to episode six of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Toosey. Today, Keith continues the conversation about guarding your testimony. Sexual compromise is rampant in the church and is knocking many out of the race. Today, Keith shares the importance of a clear code of conduct and how we need to not just teach it, but model it. Welcome to Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. Keith Tusi is the apostolic team leader of the Network of Related Pastors. He loves the church and its leaders. You will be empowered and equipped to walk in fruitful ministry as you listen to Keith put leadership truths in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcasts at nrpastors.com. And now, here's Keith Tusi.
1: Today, I want to talk to you about guarding your testimony. Several weeks ago, I sent out a e-blast because of some of the things that were happening in the Pittsburgh area, especially regarding the Catholic Church, and I urged brothers just to be very, very careful and circumspect, and I entitled that lesson, uh, Things to Learn from Potiphar's Wife. Little did I know that the Brett Kavanaugh thing would erupt shortly after that. So let's look at a couple things here. Number one, an accuser does not have to have any facts. Two, the devil is an accuser. That's his job. That's what he's going to do. Three, had Kavanaugh had any bad or even inappropriate or misinterpreted behavior with the opposite sex in his adult life, it probably would have sunk his boat. Sexual compromise is rampant in the church. It knocks many out of the race. We tend to think about people that sin sexually, falling out of the ministry. But the truth is, in many local churches, I would say almost in all local churches, there are people that are being knocked out of the race, their walk with the Lord, because of sexual sin, compromise, and misconduct. This is especially rampant with younger people. When we talk about having a generational vision and wanting the next generation to succeed and go beyond where we were, they're not going to do that if they have weak morality and they don't have clear codes of conduct that are biblical regarding their sexuality. So if we have a legitimate vision for that generation and for the youth, then we need to walk that out in purity. Leadership is not a theory. It's not a teaching. It's example. To lead, we must compensate regarding the conditions, not compromise regarding the situation. What do I mean by that? Well, when you're in a big hole, you need a big ladder to get out. And right now, we need to compensate on the fact that morality is at a critical low point in church right now. People living together are common in many evangelical churches today. And we know that over 50% of the babies that are being born are being born to unmarried or single people. So we've got to compensate. In other words, we've got to pull the pendulum back. We've got to pull the bow back and realize it's not just business at normal. But we've got to be obvious and clear about what the biblical standards are and how to walk them out. Simply telling people not to sin uh, is not all that is required of us. There's more obligation on our part. Now, I've done a lot of things wrong in the ministry, but this is one area that since the beginning we have really worked hard to make it right, and I believe God has really honored that in our walk and in our ministry. So let's just talk about a couple things to guarding your testimony and having a church that values morality and does not look at it as being punitive. Number one, have a clear code of conduct. Write it down. What is your code of conduct personally? What do you want the code of conduct around your upper level leaders to be? And how do you want that to trickle down and drip down to the next group of people, especially the next generation? Let me say this. There's a big difference between hey I don't do that as opposed to hey this is why I don't do that or this is why I do handle myself in a certain way one of the areas that I think we can really affect people in and being an inspiring leader a great pastor a spiritual father is this area of when they look at us knowing that we are actually absolutely serious about sexual purity. As a matter of fact, this is one of those areas where you make it about them. When I would teach my leaders and work with upcoming leaders and I would share my personal code of conduct, things I do and things I didn't do, I made it about them. I didn't make it about my own piety. I didn't make it about my own fruit and feeling good about my own spirituality. Those are the benefits of it. What I did is I communicated, listen, I love you so much. I'm so committed. The work God has given us is so great that these areas are critical, and I'm walking them out, and I want you to inherit this. You know what? That gave them vision. That gave them inspiration. That gave them dedication, and it gave them a great esteem for a leader who would not play footloose and fancy-free or even just do things that were accepted in the world or even in the church, but that would go the extra mile to guard our testimony. Here are several of the things that I did to guard my testimony. I never put myself in a counseling or a prayer situation with a woman unless I had somebody else there with me my wife, another man, several sisters, that type of thing. Matter of fact, I didn't even do hospital visits alone if there was a woman. I would take somebody along with me. Great chance to disciple a guy and teach him how to pray for people. Because, you know, those can be vulnerable moments. People can misinterpret that. Uh, I wouldn't want some nurse sticking her head in the room and I got some hold of some lady's hand and I'm bent over the bed and I'm praying for her. I mean, we might laugh at that, but hey you know what, the devil is an accuser, and there are people that will spread gossip. So I just always took that very serious. Uh, I didn't conduct business alone with another woman. If it was a lawyer or a banker or, you know, the copier salesman, whoever it was, I just didn't do it. If I was going to their place of business, the bank or the law office or the copy machine showroom, you know, that was one thing. There were people there. If I had any inclination it was just going to be one person there, again, I would take somebody with me and I would let them know why I was taking them. I wanted them to know it was about them and this was important. Uh if somebody was coming to the church, which they often do, you know, you have a banker come to the church, or you have somebody, you know, a local politician wants to talk to you about something, or, you know, uh product people that are coming to sell something. If there was no one was gonna be there. I would make sure somebody was there. And in, in, uh, we always had a glass door policy, by the way. That was another one of my code of conducts. So in my offices, I always had glass doors installed so that when somebody was sitting in the next room, they could look directly into my office, directly in, they could see me at all times. So if I was conducting business with somebody, I would have somebody out in the other office. I would say, just look busy, make yourself useful. You know, make a phone call or work on the computer or, or you know, read your Bible, whatever you want to do. Uh, but I appreciate you coming. There were times I'd call somebody and say, "Can you come into the office? There's somebody that's coming to see me, and I need somebody to come in here for an hour or half an hour or whatever it is." And because I taught that and I modeled that. The people that I asked to come in to do that really thought that was that was something valuable, and then that begins to raise the water level that that's where you begin to compensate rather than compromise for the place you're at, and there becomes an unwritten rule. People just start behaving in a better way, especially towards one another, so that was always important that I just didn't conduct business in any kind of privacy like that I'll just tell you a little story we had a late we have a lady in our church still does and she cuts my hair and uh, often in the morning after prayer meeting there would be people around she would come and she would cut my hair and uh, trim me up you know and and that was great Uh, but then there were times when I needed a haircut and that wasn't available and she'd say well just come to the house and this is a solid member of our church a great lady uh, great husband Um, we're good friends Uh, and I would tell her, I said, well, I'll come if I can get Penny to come with me or somebody to come with me. And she would laugh about it. Okay. She'd giggle about it. I mean, she wasn't mocking me, but she thought that was really cool. But I would go to those efforts and just be, I wasn't like being some legalistic pundit. I was just saying, look, this is how I live. Even if I need a haircut, I'm not going to break that rule. Another one of the things I never did is I never rode in a car alone together uh, with a woman. Uh, if somebody, you know, if I needed to take somebody, I got I got somebody else with me. Uh, you know, I had situations where, you know, I travel a lot. And uh, I remember one situation where a pastor's wife called and said, hey, I'm going to be picking you up from the airport. And I said, is anybody going to be with you? And she said, no. I said, you know what? It's okay. Don't bother. I can just wait here. Until whenever, until you can either get somebody to come and get me or, or somebody else. And I said, you know, obviously it has nothing to do with you or me. I said, but I really want to guard your testimony and my testimony while I'm in town here ministering. You know, I've never had anybody, you know, say, oh, that's just really a terrible thing. But again, I think it's one of these things you've got to teach a little bit on and be an example on and begin to raise the bar. We are in a deep ditch, but God has given us a ladder. And our moral integrity and our uh, sexual uh, understanding of what is happening in the world and setting a great example, I think this is real biblical leadership. I want to encourage you to really have a policy and share that policy. Begin to teach that policy. Uh, Some people might observe you and know what you're doing, but begin to teach it, begin to download it to them, and see if you don't get some responses that are very positive. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Leadership in Context.
0: Today, Keith continued the conversation about guarding your testimony. To lead, we must compensate regarding the conditions, not compromise regarding the situation. Right now, we need to compensate the fact that morality is at a critically low point. We have to be obvious and clear as to what the biblical standards are and then teach and model how to walk them out. What is your personal code of conduct? What do you want to see filtered down through your leadership? Keith has found that as he taught and modeled his personal code of conduct, his leaders and disciples then began to value having their own code of conduct. Guarding our testimony, Protecting our moral integrity and setting an example in this arena is real biblical leadership. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Toosey. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, check out the blog at innerpastors.com backslash blog. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.